This is the Amazing Starts Here podcast episode with Bryce Montez de Oca. He's a sleeper pick in this Mets farm system. He's not a top 30 prospect, but he throws 100 and sometimes 102 miles an hour. He's six foot eight, 265 pounds, as he writes me a little bit later in this episode. But, Bill, this is a guy who has had, I would say, some tough luck with injuries. Drafted in 2018. Missed 18, 19, everybody missed 20, but he got hurt in 20. Just an amazing story of someone who just, first of all, doesn't give up, but also, once all that was over, still throwing 102 miles an hour. Right. I remember when he came here to Brooklyn in 2018 after he got drafted. Him and Tyler McGill got off the bus, and I thought we had drafted two power forwards to uh, to play for the Cyclones that year. They're both just giant monsters of, of human beings. Uh, and literally day one of him being here, uh, came off the field and said, yeah, my shoulder feels a little funny. And that was it. Um, and then he didn't pitch again, as he says, for like 1,100 days. Um, and then finally made his, his debut uh, in 2021 with, with the Cyclones and um, like riding a bike, got some, some rust off and then got the arm cranking back up in the, the, the triple digits. And, you know, he's, like, he's not a top 30 prospect guy, but... You know, relievers who can throw strikes, who throw hard, they find their ways uh, up the system pretty quickly. So he's a guy that we might not hear a lot about now, uh, but potentially, you know, if he continues his improvement that we saw in 2021, continues to throw some strikes in 2022, he's a guy who very easily could make his way to Queens. Absolutely. Throwing 102 if it's for, for strikes. No reason to keep you in double A, triple A, or high A. So our conversation with Bryce Montez Dayoka on Amazing starts here. So Bryce, 2021, when you were finally able to take the mound for the first time with a real jersey and fans in the stands and be a real pitcher, what did that feel like last year? Uh, it was kind of surreal, honestly. I remember the first time we did it in Asheville. I kind of forgot what I was doing. Like, I showed up to the field, and the routine was so different than everything I'd been doing. I was like, people go out to stretch. I'm like, oh, I should probably go do that. Uh, and like, that kind of stuff. I remember being out there on the mound for the first time and, like, was thinking about everything else except the game. It was the most weird situation ever just because you can try to replicate a game, but it's just not the same. But I enjoyed it. Uh, got better as the year went along and had a good offseason and ready for a good year ahead. Did you step into that game and think to yourself, when was the last time I pitched in a, like a game? Did you think about that at all? <laughs> I knew going in, it was like over 1,100 days, I think, that I was on the IL, but it was close to like probably right, right around 1,100 days actually since I was in a game too. It was a long, long time, uh, and it was kind of weird. It was kind of wild, but once I got the my feet in there on the first one, that like everything was pretty easy after that. Uh, but the first one was definitely a weird experience that I probably won't ever forget. So, you know, you get drafted out of Missouri and you come here to Brooklyn and you have like your first day of uh, practice as a, as a professional baseball player. And that's basically when it stops from that point, right? So kind of walk us through that first day when you come to the ballpark and you're, you're, you get your uniform and you take your headshots and, and you don't pitch for, for three years. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
everybody comes in, they get drafted, they're all excited, they're ready to hit the ground running, and then for me it was hit the ground running and then hit a brick wall real quick. Uh, then after that, it was in straight to rehab for a while for little shoulder stuff. Uh, ended up getting shoulder surgery in January of 19. Uh, was feeling good from that. Was coming back really, really clean and good. Uh, and then in May of 19, uh, ended up hurting my back. Had to get back surgery. And following that back surgery, stuff got a little wild after that. I ended up getting some blood clots in my lungs and I got a blood clot in my leg. And so I was in the hospital for like a week for that. And then I was in and out of the hospital for that, like probably the next month, like a couple of days here and there, just being precautious and stuff like that. And then we were great for a while. We were really, really good. And then uh, I was throwing in everything that next off season in 19, I felt good. Uh, and then in 20, early 20, before the world went AWOL, uh, I tore my ACL and my meniscus. Interesting about that was I went in for my surgery and they're like, oh, like you just got a meniscus. I got a couple MRIs, like we'll get in there. We'll sew it up and you'll be right. It'll be fine. And I come out of the surgery and they're like, oh, what'd you get done? And like the nurse is talking to me. I'm like, oh, I have my meniscus done. I'm kind of out of it. I'm just trying to figure out like if the nurse is trying to see if I'm out of it or not. Kind of see where my headspace. And I'm like, no, like you got your ACL done too. And I'm like, no, I didn't. And then like that happened like two or three times and then the doctor had to end up coming in the room and like explain the whole situation. I was like, yeah, like you had to fix your ACL too because it wouldn't have healed right, so on and so forth. So uh, I got a little buy one, get one free, I guess, uh, <laughs> being in there. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, COVID hit and then kind of worked out for me a little bit because nobody else was playing. I had a chance to rehab and not really lose time. And I think I used that the best I could and then rehabbing really well for that throwing really well for that and just uh, kind of hit the ground running three years later so you finally get on the mound like this offseason did you just wrap yourself in bubble wrap and sit in your house like try to no <laughs> <laughs> no I just try to like the past is the past like stuff happened but move on I uh, can't live like that shelter just was had to be aggressive with my development because I did lose a lot of time uh, and I feel like I managed my workload really well, throwing-wise, lifting-wise. And that was one thing during rehab I learned a lot about what I really need to do and then what I like to do. And leaning more into what I need to do rather than like, oh, I like to lift heavy. Really don't lift heavy anymore. Uh, and just trying to get my body to feel good as consistent as possible and then be consistent as possible throughout the year and the off-season and the year ahead. That's all my whole plan. So you throw and two miles an hour on a on a windy day 101 usually um so the physical stuff everything kind of has to go right as far as just the biomechanics of producing 100 miles an hour out of your fastball how nervous were you when you finally got through a b c and d on the list of injuries how nervous were you to just like feel it again and trust it and know it would be in there still yeah it was for all my rehabs, like I trusted my process of what happened. I trusted the surgeon. I, they did their job. I left healthy. And then from there, like I was super diligent with all my rehabs. So like I knew I was check, checking all the boxes that I needed to check to feel good. Uh, but even then, like I remember the first time I was getting off the mound, like I was like, I had no idea like how hard I was. So I was like terrified and then ended up being fine. But it, like it just was like the face, the reality of like, is everything that's happened in the last two and a half years going to be good or bad? And ended up being fine, but it was definitely a moment of like, oh my God, I hope this goes well. But I was always pretty uh, pretty happy with everything. I was trying to manifest some positivity through it all. Uh, yeah, everything ended up going well, so I can't complain. 
was there ever a point uh, during those you know two three years of, of rehab stuff where you started you know doubting that this is going to be something that you know I'm going to be able to do and you know, my whole life I've been building up to this point. Was there a, a time where you really sort of questioned the, the the end goal of this, or were you the whole time you know fighting through it, positive thinking, positive messaging to yourself to to really sort of keep your headspace in, in, in a good place? Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't easy. I mean, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't believe ultimately that I could do it. Uh, I think that is the biggest thing for me. But it, it definitely wasn't easy, especially in the summer of 19 when I felt terrible. I was in and out of the hospital for the blood clot stuff. And it was just like just trying to be like normal healthy, not even like baseball healthy. I was just trying to get like my body back normal because uh, I was on blood thinners and stuff like that. And just trying to get a sense of like feeling good as a person again. Uh, with all that other non-baseball stuff going on. And, like, once I started to feel better there, uh, I mean, it got a little bit easier because the baseball stuff, I mean, it kind of takes care of itself. Like, I love it. I love all the processes of it, even though the rehab kind of sucks at times. But it's all just a stepping stone to get where you want to be. And, like, I think having gone through it now, like, every day that you show up and you play, it's even more of a gift. I feel like a lot of people kind of show up and, like, oh, it's just another day. But... I've been on the other side watching other people go out to the field like, oh, I wish I could just do that. So, I mean, I definitely take every day as like kind of like a Christmas morning. I get excited uh, going to bed like, oh, I get to do baseball again tomorrow and so on and so forth. So, like, I love it. Definitely wasn't easy, but I believed in myself uh, the whole time. Otherwise, I don't know if I could have sanely gotten through it. <laughs> You're down in Florida rehabbing most of the time. Most people are down there doing that. Right now, as we're filming this or recording this, it's spring training time. There's there's people, there's laughter, there's bodies everywhere. But you kind of, when you're rehabbing, it's very isolating. So, like you said, it's Christmas morning a little bit. But how nice is it to be in a normal spring training? Also taking in the fact that last year there wasn't really a normal spring training. What is it like to have that kind of energy around you all day long? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely awesome. Even last year like was my first like healthy spring training, but it still wasn't a normal spring training. This is like the first time where there's like people around. There's big leaguers throwing their live VPs on the backfields. There's just people around. There's a lot more of a buzz. you got fans watching us play on the backfields too. It's got a lot more life to it than I mean, years in the past, like the COVID year and so on and so forth. But it definitely makes it a lot more fun to show up the field. Everybody loves to play in front of people, like especially once you get kind of closer to the end, you kind of get to see the season and – Everything gets even more ramped up. The games start to feel even more like a game. Uh, but even just like the day-to-day throwing stuff, like today I just played catch, and like it's still exciting. Like I like to go out on the field. Like I like to watch the people. I like to see what's going on. There's always something to work on. Uh, and that's one thing that with baseball is like you're good, but the next day for some reason you cannot be good. And then it's just about being as consistent as possible and like taking the light days that I had today and maximizing the most I can. So I repeat it, and then over the long haul of the season that – Hopefully, I trend up. There's going to be ups and downs, but as long as I'm trending upwards, that's all that really matters. So now the lockout's over and the big leaguers are in camp and uh, you're down there. Do you ever sort of try to sneak your way over to a bullpen session with DeGrom or Scherzer or somebody and sort of look, <laughs> look at what Jake does, looking how he does, throwing as fast as you do, looking how you do? Um, I mean, it's just the, the, the dichotomy of Jacob DeGrom throws 102 and Bryce Montez de Oka throws 102. You find yourself over there and just sort of in awe of what those guys are doing? I mean, what they do is pretty unreal. Uh, I mean, they do it so consistently as well. So, like, they're definitely professionals at what they do. 
uh, we don't have tons of opportunity to go over there, but I definitely look uh, online at see their stuff, looking at their little numbers and all that good stuff. Uh, but as a whole, like today, there was uh, a few guys throwing in the backfields. Definitely stopped. You watch a few at bats of those guys, and just kind of whenever a nice guy comes up, you kind of drift off. But it's nice to see like guys who are the best in the world at what they do and how they kind of approach things, even though they're throwing out a backfield on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, that they still like are very diligent in what they do, and I think that kind of shows to everybody watching that like try to want to you want to imitate what the best do, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do is stay as consistent as possible, and then treat every outing uh, like everything is special, and try to be uh, hopefully on their level one day. When you throw 102, sometimes especially young guys in the minor leagues, they don't really know where it's going. You have a pretty good knack of knowing where it's going. But how do you harness that even more now that you have a year under your belt? Uh, you survived, you know, May through September. How do you get better this year as far as just throwing strikes at 102? Yeah, I think one thing from the start uh, of last year is I hadn't played in so long. So I, I really had no plan or anything like that. It was kind of like, oh, I guess I got to throw this thing at the catcher <laughs> and kind of figure it out from there. Uh, but, and so like, as the season kind of went, there was definitely a lot of ups and downs trying to figure out who I am as a pitcher. Cause to me, I, you can't be successful if you have no foundation. I don't think I had any foundation as a pitcher for most of the year last year. Like I had a lot of skill and I had a lot of talent, but like as a foundation, what I need to do to get guys out, I really didn't know. I was just like pure stuff, just trying to get guys out with that. Uh, that's one thing that's kind of the year went on where I kind of took ownership and what I need to do is I kind of like developed a plan of what I need to do with my pitches and like what counts were like am I going to be able to like throw a strike with this pitch and so on and so forth and knowing times where you better push pull uh, and that's where kind of going to the off season 90% of what I did was just command oriented trying to move efficiently trying to move smoothly consistently uh, and a lot of time just throwing into a little catch net I mean if you can throw into a net that's like two feet by three feet and you're probably going to be good at 90 feet so uh stuff like that and now just being uh back down here is just going back to the mindset i had at the end of the year it was like not trying to paint corners just literally set up middle and the chances of me actually throwing middle are probably pretty low but i got a whole lot of plate to work with and i'm trying to go middle so it is uh it is basketball time march madness is here you are from kansas uh and you are a huge can you six eight two sixty? Where are we as far as the numbers are right now? Six eight two five. Okay, so I mean, that like LeBron is that size. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, why did you choose to play baseball <laughs> coming out of that state and not basketball? And now there are people in your hometown like kicking rocks down the road. Like, what could have been if Bryce Montes Diogo played basketball? I played in high school. Like, I mean, I was a little <laughs> chunky kid. Uh, Definitely had a lot of baby fat. Like I was up to 300 pounds, like my sophomore year, junior year. So I was, I was definitely carrying some extra baggage on me. Uh, but I played, and I was, I enjoyed it. I had fun, but I loved baseball ultimately. And uh, like, I don't think I would have had a ton of success playing basketball long term. I mean, I'm big, but I'm not that big. And athletic, but I'm not that athletic. So I would have served a purpose, but not a big purpose. Uh, so baseball was definitely the route for me. I think. Yeah, the baseball scene, uh, baseball thing seems like it, it worked out okay for you. Uh, how excited are you for this? Yeah. You know, this season just to have okay. the the injury stuff behind you. You'll probably be, you know, a phone call away from potentially making it to the big leagues starting the season, either you know, Double A or somewhere somewhere in that realm. 
Um, you know, as a reliever, you can move pretty quick through the system. Like, just how excited are you to get started and then not have to worry about, you know, all the 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 excess that you came into last season with? Yeah, it's definitely exciting. You just have to worry about baseball. You don't have to worry about getting out of rehabbing the general population. Like, you just worry about baseball. It's all about just getting better. And at the end of the day, just what can I do to get outs in the most efficient and effective way? And that's where all my time and energy is kind of going. And, uh, like, I just want my whole goal this year is just focus on what I need to do to be as consistent as possible every time out, uh, which goes from sleep to recovery to what my daily throwing is, lifting and all that stuff. I just want to be as consistent as possible because guys at the top are the same guy every single day. So the more I can do that, uh, I think that will lend me a lot of success in the near and uh, long term. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question too. Uh, Billy, you asked a really great question. Because mentally, Thanks, you know, you, it's your first year. You never had that short season. You never had the low A. It's like, okay, high A, got it, and now I'm in the conversation. How do you handle that? And and do you get help from anywhere, or, um, coaches or people getting you ready for something like that, an opportunity like that? Yeah, I, mean, I have a great support system, family, girlfriend, friends, uh, different people around the facility. Uh, I just really try to keep it as simple as possible. I mean, in the, the day, it's – it's very serious, but it's, it's really just a game. Like, I literally love doing what I do, so it's pretty easy for me to, like, not look too far ahead. I want to stay as present as possible because, I like, going back to the injury stuff, I know how fast that can change. So I'd rather just enjoy every single day and be as consistent in those days in every single moment and then deal with the rest of it when it gets here. Like, I do a pretty good job of staying present, and that's what I really want to focus on is tearing – taking care of every moment because I take care of each moment the future should kind of take care of itself and there's only so much you can control in baseball there's a lot of stuff going on uh, so for me just trying to really focus on the controllables uh, is what I think will lend me the most success and the most like probably best way to get me relaxed is not thinking about other stuff and 9,000 different things going on I just take care of myself and that's all you can really do you can sleep pretty good at night doing that alright so we had a couple of quick ones some speed rounds. Billy's got a uh, a plethora of questions that he's ready to fire at you, but mine is going to start oh, with I food do. because okay, I like I like I like food. You're a pretty big dude, so how many calories in a day do you think you have to take in to kind of be, you know, optimal? Uh, I would say right around the forty-five hundred mark, forty-two to forty-five hundred. So a lot. Uh, yeah, what, what's, I, what's a normal day? What's a normal menu for you on, in, a, in any given day? Like off season wise, it's pretty easy. It's uh, I would wake up, I would have two pieces of toast, I'd have uh, five eggs, I would have uh, some yogurt, <laughs> some fruit, uh, and a little coffee, black, uh, and then for lunch I'd have like, or I'd have a snack after that while I was going to work out, and then lunch I'd have like probably a pound and a half of barbecue chicken with some spinach, with a little bit of rice. Uh, and then when before I went to go to work, I'd probably have another snack. And then for dinner, I'd probably have like another pound and a half of chicken, barbecue chicken. I'm a big barbecue chicken fan, if you can't tell. Uh, <laughs> and then probably some more rice after that, maybe some broccoli, something like that. Oh, wheat thins with hummus. It's a really big snack of mine. I love that. Uh, big wheat thins, though, not the normal ones. The big wheat thins are a lot better than the regular ones. Uh, and then it started out so the... subtle. Two pieces of toast and <laughs> everything in the supermarket. Yeah, I mean, I, I did work at a supermarket this offseason, too, so I got a little discount there. 
So yeah, shout out to High V. Uh, yeah, what, what were you doing? You're a produce manager, a checkout guy. What were your What were you doing? <laughs> no, I was doing like aisles online. So like the orders that come in for people to pick up, I would be in the ones in the aisle, just getting them in the bags and put them in back. Did that. So it was, it was good. I enjoyed it actually. It's kind of peaceful. I love walking through the aisles. Anyway, it's like when I just go shop by myself. So it's kind of a perfect job for me. I think it's relaxing. Yeah, I, I love going to the supermarket because my kids don't come with me, so I can just <laughs> I, have, I have relative quiet for a little bit, walk around, stare at the Cheez-Its for about 25 minutes, figure out which one I'm going to pick. So yeah. big decision in the Horner household. <laughs> what was your, uh, now we're going to do some random, here's my random stuff that I'm supposed to come up with, right, Keith? Got it. Um, favorite cartoon <laughs> when you were a kid? Uh, it was a big Snoopy guy. Snoopy. All right. Yeah. Also, like I like SpongeBob too. That's probably my two big ones. I, I just think Snoopy because of the the Christmas uh, Charlie Brown one. That we have we have thing. a SpongeBob day coming to Brooklyn this year, so that's that's awesome. just be thankful you didn't have to dress like SpongeBob last year. I would have been excited to see. Uh, favorite uh, breakfast cereal. Ooh, that's tough. I gotta go now. Probably Special K with berries. But as a kid, probably Cocoa Puffs. Oh, classic. Yeah. Classic. Cocoa Puffs. Because yeah. you get the chocolate milk when it's over. That's, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a second treat. <laughs> um, best Christmas gift you ever got? Best Christmas gift. It's tough. Uh, I think my iPhone. When I first got an iPhone when I was like 7th, 8th grade. That was pretty electric. I remember I ran outside and I was all giddy. But, yeah, that was probably my favorite one, I think. If had a you lot were of good Christmases. Gonna, if you were going to be a professional wrestler, what would your name be? Ooh, I don't know. Something to do with the hair. <laughs> be like I always go with just incredible. I just I, th- I feel like that's a nice play on words. I like that. I, somebody's I like had to that. take that one already, I'm sure. <laughs> Somebody named Justin, probably. We'll I mean, it would make it more through. sense for a guy named Justin, I guess. <laughs> uh, if you had Keith's job and somebody hit a home run, what would be your call? Ooh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would be terrible at his job. Uh, <laughs> So's Keith. It's fine. <laughs> it's great. You, you fit right in. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, am I at home or away? Home. Did home. one of our guys hit it, or did they? One of our guys hit it. Big, big spot. Bottom of the eighth. Two run. Jack puts us up one. Oh, there goes a big tamale, and it's out of here. <laughs> <laughs> tamale. All right. <laughs> Good thing you throw the ball really hard, because I don't. I don't I think know. that was going to fly. I told you it was a bad one. <laughs> uh, last spot. What is what is a, a baseball game that you went to as a fan that you remember more than others? I think the biggest one I remember was like the 2013 Futures game. Because uh, I remember the, the guy who I was throwing with in the past, he was with the Royals. Uh, and he had a – it was whenever the Royals had the All-Star game, whatever year that was. But, uh, he took me to the Futures game, and I remember that. And that was like the game that I really remember because – wasn't, I didn't go to a whole lot of games as a kid. It was more basketball with KU, but that was one I definitely remembered. And then I have, I have a question about just to, uh, a certain charge in a Elite Eight game against Duke a couple years ago, but I'm not going to go there. Still, I'm oh, not going to talk about it yet. I'm not a KU fan myself. Oh, I good, mean, I'm going to Missouri. Good. Like, I was a big fan when Roy Williams was there, then became a North Carolina fan, then became a Tiger fan, now I'm an Iowa fan, so I'm just all over the map. I'm going to separate you two because Billy's a huge Duke guy and you just said Roy Williams, so easy, boys. <laughs> but who is your pick this year for the for uh, bracket champion? This will probably come out before uh, 
before the tournament's over. It should be up pretty soon. But who's your pick? Uh, um, I usually fill out a bracket. This is the first year I have not filled out a bracket. I I know I'm really upsetting everybody, but uh, I would go. I'm gonna go Iowa. Go Hawks. Uh, just won the Big Ten. <laughs> it's gonna happen. So go Hawks. That's a, that's a sleeper pick. They're playing, well. <laughs> playing pretty well. Having no bracket, I did it a few years. It's the best way to watch the tournament because you don't care who wins. You just want a good game. And yeah, you're not that, that is true. So it's an that enjoyable experience. So I hope you enjoy your March Madness. Your bracket free March Madness. I will. I will. You boys are certainly in the minority there. Okay, uh, let's <laughs> land the plane. Um, but Bryce, just any last thoughts on on a twenty twenty two season? You know, like the hype and this and that. Expectations for yourself? You know, April's coming up. Opening day's coming up. What are your expectations? Uh, have fun. Uh, I mean, I get to do what I want. I get to have fun. Uh, I get to play a game that I'm sure millions of people would love to do on a daily basis. So have fun, enjoy each day. I mean, they're all special, and be as consistent as I can wherever things land throughout the whole year. So that's my that's my motto. I'm sticking to it. We'll talk to the folks in Binghamton and see if we can get some good barbecue chicken. But we appreciate you coming <laughs> on the podcast, and best of luck this year. All right, thank you very much. I appreciate it.